folding pocket. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Danny Pellegrino from the Everything Iconic podcast. And who doesn't love a classic burger from McDonald's? That's right. McDonald's classic burgers are hotter, juicier, and tastier than ever. The patties are cooked to juicy perfection. I love the cheese perfectly melted on top. I love the Big Mac that has a special sauce in every bite. I love the pillowy soft golden bun. So in the words of the Hamburglar, rubble, rubble. which I believe means grab McDonald's best burgers ever before Hamburglar does at a McDonald's near you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. Sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends April 30th. See site for details. The Fast and the Curious is part of the ACAST Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover. And me, Christian Hugill. Now this is a brand new Formula One podcast that is for F1 fanatics like me. But it's also for those F1 fans that are new to the sport and that are just starting to fall in love with it a little bit like me. Me and Betty are here. We also have uh, our team principal, Mr Greg James. Hello and welcome to The Fast and the Curious. It's not just me, it's not just you two. It's also co-hosted by The Drivers. Now for our feature presentation. Wow. First of all, wow. What a reaction to the Lewis Hamilton chat in particular, but the Mercedes episode in general, George Russell, Toto Wolff and Lewis Hamilton. I want your reaction, Christian, to your chat with Lewis Hamilton, which touched a lot of people and it touched them very personally. (sighs) It's been genuinely a bit of a whirlwind and a bit emotional for me uh i'm so touched by your lovely words thank you so much for every single message it really does mean the absolute world i didn't think i'd ever really get to a place where i could be comfortable just mentioning i'm gay or casually mentioning i've got a boyfriend you know rather than a girlfriend on a sports thing to sort of not just do that but also talk to actual Sir Lewis Hamilton about it has been amazing. Obviously, his response, as I said on episode two, was just beyond belief because he's an icon. But then the reaction has meant the world. I will remember that forever. I genuinely mean this. I will remember the reaction to this for the rest of my life, no matter what I go on to do in the next however many years I've got left. It's been unbelievable. Well, you'll still be doing the Fast and the Curious um, on the day you die. 
because I'm going to rinse you for all you're worth. I'm taking that as a contract renewal from the team principal. He said it on audio, so yeah, we'll take that. You're both renewed. Hey, (laughs) Betty, not even done race one. That is a a vote of confidence with the team principal. We'll take that all day long. No, look, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have you both driving on my team. And these conversations are so important in sport because, you know, on the surface, you don't go to it for that. But when it does extra special things in your life, then you realise just how brilliant sport and the communities around it can be. Yeah, we got so many, so many messages. A woman called Laura got in contact with us. She, she said this. She said, thank you. My son is 10, gay and loves the sport. Thank you for bringing the inclusion needed. He has ASD, ADHD and Tourette's. And watching F1, in particular Mercedes, is something that he absolutely loves. And she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Which is just so lovely. Don't make me cry again, please. I want to make you cry because I wish the listeners could see the setup. We have a man... We have a man in a pink hoodie. The pink, same pink, by the way, as the Fast and the Curious logo. Yeah. Sat in his bedroom underneath a patterned duvet to deaden the sound. Uh, if if you started crying and your your boyfriend Steve walked in and saw the duvet going up and down with shrugs of tears, he, <laughs> Greg! he, he would not know what was going on. I hope that uh, he would know. Shall we move on? Let, let's let's move on. We've got Oscar Piastri coming up on today's episode. Really exciting uh, newbie. His rookie season. We've had a great chat with him. But just to finish off that discussion, I just wanted to reiterate the point that the whole reason we started this podcast is to shout as loudly as possible that sport is for everybody and you don't have to love it as much as the next person. You don't have to love it in the same way as that person. It means different things to different people. And this is hopefully a place where we can all celebrate it in whatever way we want to. So thank you for starting up this little community with us. It's been really fun to chat to lots of you and the reaction has been completely overwhelming and unexpected so long may this continue christian your hand is raised greg hi on that we've not actually said have we you can message us thank you for all the messages we've already got but if you want to message us on instagram it is fast curious pod drop us a dm we will read them greg james we're also on tiktok as well aren't we yes we are the fast and the curious pod slightly longer would have been easier to put the same names but uh, we didn't and it's too late but you can also <laughs> crucially email us if you want to it is fast and curious at acast.com that email box can be for invitations to various <laughs> Grand Prix or di- dinners or if anyone wants to sponsor us you know whatever guys I'll leave that up to you or what it can be is what it's been dominated by so far and that is genuinely hundreds of burger suggestions for Logan Sargent <laughs> at some point on this podcast Logan Sargent will be trying burger recommendations and if you saw him after his 131 laps while testing at Bahrain He needed quite a few burgers. He looked absolutely wasted. Shall we move on then and actually talk about the F1? Because, guys, it's race week. Hey! Hey! Should we talk about racing? Because we've been to the shakedowns, we've seen the garages, we've seen testing, we've seen how Mercedes work and when they saw the car for the first time. We've done all of that. But this is actually it, isn't it, Christian? Bahrain is the first Grand Prix of the season. 
What on earth can we expect? It's one of the more modern Formula One circuits. It's been on the calendar a long time now, but it's a good one in the sense that there's it's really mixed. So there's a couple of tight, twisty bits. There's some really fast bits. It's a big, wide circuit, so it usually is good for overtaking, and it usually produces good races. Last year was properly dramatic because Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc went at each other throughout the race. They had a proper battle, uh, and then it all went spectacularly wrong for Red Bull, and both cars didn't finish the race. And Red Bull, defending champions, didn't score a single point, and everybody thought, what a disaster for Red Bull. Turns out, wasn't a problem at all they absolutely stormed the season but it usually produces a, a really good race and it's under the lights it's a night race in the desert it looks pretty fireworks at the end it's usually a good start to the season and what are your thoughts after testing about who you think is going to win the Bahrain Grand Prix because should Mercedes fans be a little bit worried Christian yes I think they should I would be hugely surprised if Max Verstappen doesn't win the Bahrain Grand Prix the reason why I say that is because Red Bull looks so solid in testing. They generally top the timesheets. Mercedes had a little bit more of a stuttering start. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't quite as good as I think they were hoping it would be. The only thing that could see me with egg on my face come our first podcast after Bahrain is that... I'm not sure Ferrari have truly shown us where they are. So it appeared on the surface from testing that they didn't have the pace of the Mercedes. However, it's always too early to tell in testing because we don't fully know how much fuel they've got in the car. So in pre-season testing, you don't know if they're running with 70 laps of fuel or three laps of fuel. So Ferrari seemed very confident, quietly confident. And last year, everybody expected a Red Bull or a Mercedes to win. And a Ferrari won. And Ferrari went into it in much better shape than people expected. So I don't think a Mercedes will win the race. I think it will be most likely a Red Bull. If Ferrari are doing what they did last year, who knows, it could be a Ferrari. But hopefully it'll be tight enough for a bit of a battle. And just for those new fans into the sport that might be hearing... Aston Martin a lot during testing because they've pricked up a lot of people's ears, haven't they, Christian? Explain how Aston Martin have done so far in pre-season testing. Should we be excited? Should we not? What's the crack? They've done really quite well. So Aston Martin last year were not one of the most competitive cars. They were sort of most of the time in the back third of the pack. They had a terrible start. I remember in Bahrain last year when I was there, it was one of the talks of the paddock that Aston Martin are in a really bad shape. They had four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel driving for them and they were about the slowest car on the grid. So they're pumping huge money into the sport, into a big fancy new complex. And maybe we're starting to see also what they were able to do last year because frankly, last year was a bit rubbish. They stopped development on last year's car really soon and moved on to looking at this year's car a lot earlier than people like Mercedes and Alpine were able to do. But Aston Martin were kind of like, well, this is a bit rubbish. This isn't where we want it to be. So let's put all our eggs in the 2023 basket. So a combination of them pumping some money in with these shiny new facilities which are on the way and getting a head start on the teams last year seems to put them in a really good place. Fernando Alonso is in his early 40s, but is still at the top of his game. He's a two-time world champion. He's coming to replace Sebastian Vettel. Stranger things have happened than a Fernando podium. I'd be incredibly surprised if they didn't have Fernando in the top six. Um, we're just waiting to see at the time of this recording. We don't fully know who's going to be alongside Fernando. 
Lance Stroll injured his wrist falling off a uh, his bike in a cycling accident. We want Lance to get better soon, but it's uh, Aston Martin who are exciting. Did he fall off his bike when he was doing the cycling round the circuit thing? No, he didn't. We'd, we've spoken on this podcast before that F1 drivers like to cycle or scoot around the circuit or run or walk. To, no, he didn't do that. He was pre-season training and he was on his bike is all we really know. But he, he had an accident and, and we think it's a wrist injury. Mm. I'm sure he's listening to this podcast and has heard you wish him well. He won't be able to work his phone. <laughs> if he can't work his phone, he isn't racing in Bahrain. That I can tell you that. If the, if the nurse has started our podcast for him and given him his soup and then <laughs> put the headphones in and hopefully he can hear us. <laughs> Shall we get on with Oscar Piastri? Let's do it. Yeah, and before we do, a quick fact file about Mr. Oscar Piastri. So he is McLaren's new driver this year, partnering Lando Norris. He's a rookie. He's never raced in Formula 1, but he has raced in Formula 3 and Formula 2 and won both of those championships on his debut, which is ridiculously impressive. He then had a year as Alpine's reserve driver. So a lot of buzz about Oscar. A lot of people very excited for his debut. He's Australian and Aussies love Formula One. And here is the man himself. It's great to have you on the podcast. I mean, it's an exciting time for Formula One, but a very exciting time for you. Yes. How are you feeling? Yeah, really, really good. Feeling much more at home now. I think having like the little stint at McLaren pre-Christmas, going home for a bit, coming back again. But no, super excited to get going again and uh, and get started. I adore Formula One with every inch of me. <laughs> <laughs> and my weekends nearly have some purpose again. Yeah. I get quite excited. You're going into your debut season of Formula One. Like if I'm excited, yeah. how you must just be buzzing. Are you, or do you have to retain some vague professionalism and calm a bit? Uh, yeah, there is an element of professionalism. I think also at the moment, I'm very quickly finding out the pre-season is probably one of the busier times for all of us because we've got media commitments, a lot of our marketing stuff, like for the year, a lot of photo shoots. All the boring stuff. Uh, you know, it's nice to have a chat at the Hilton, but it's not quite driving a 200 mile an hour around <laughs> Bahrain. Put it very well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of things to keep myself occupied with, so I haven't really had to think about it that much but uh, i'm sure once we get you know into the last couple of days before the race then yeah then it'll start to feel a bit more uh, surreal now you are officially a racing driver for formula one yes are you going to be like tidier because it's well known on on the internet that you're a very messy person mm. oscar <laughs> your bedroom is messy i've seen well so there's, there needs to be some context for these bedroom messy photos so I believe there's a couple that are out there on the internet. One was when I first moved into my first apartment with another racing driver as well. And I was mid rearranging all my stuff. And he picked, of course, of course, that's when the, the cameras come out. And so, yeah, I looked back. He was stitched up there. I was stitched yeah. up. Yeah. And then again, uh, when I was, I think I'd just come back from a race and was unpacking all my stuff, putting it into very neat piles of washing. Actually. Again, got stitched up again. So I'm not saying that I'm a the cleanest of people but they were grossly exaggerating those photos so okay. i'm standing up for myself fair enough fair enough but i will aim to be tidier before i get my yeah butt kicked by people in the team so yeah so what have you been doing then to get ready for your debut um a lot of neck training that's been the first thing the biggest like physical exertion for us is our neck the g-forces and stuff on your neck that 
takes a little bit of getting used to. And for me, because I haven't raced an F1 yet, that's taking some more getting used to because of that too. It is one of those odd sports, isn't it? A bit like, I know you're a cricket fan as well. And yep. I'm a huge, Here we go. I'm a huge yep. cricket fan. God, it's taking him, what, right. 30, no, 30 seconds to <laughs> <mention> <laughs> cricket? Only because, go only get a drink. because if you bowl, you haven't bowled for a while. It's the same feeling. Yeah. There's muscles that you can't exercise really any other way apart from bowling. So it's, yeah. a, it's a similar thing. It was a valid question. <laughs> I saw an opportunity. I saw, <laughs> sorry, I saw a gap. I saw a gap and I went for it. Thank you. There you go. Um, but you, but while we're on cricket, mm. <laughs> when, was, when did you last play? Um, I played a game actually, one singular game. Uh, I think it was two years ago now. Hmm. Are you good at cricket? I was okay at best, I would say. I managed to fluke one game into the firsts at school because everyone in the year above had done were on uh, study leave for their exams right so, but we, we won't we won't dwell on that but yeah. i have the cap i have my name signed on the door somewhere you mentioned that being at school wasn't that long ago yeah being 10 wasn't that long ago for you and we were talking yeah. a little bit before this podcast started about the the journey that you've had which has been a mad journey but quite quick really mm. and talking and you and christian were talking about karting and i was sort of fascinated to hear that because i don't really know much about that side of things because yeah. I'm one of those fans F1 fans that just sees the Formula 1 driver on the grid and just goes oh brilliant it's yeah. this guy yeah, this yeah. is cool yeah. but there's such a story behind every single person that ends up in a Formula 1 car so I'd love to hear a bit about your first kart I guess yeah. when was the first time that you thought I'm really good at racing I'm going to do this um, so to go really to the beginning of this story I actually raced remote control cars first. So that was when I was about six years old. Um, and Sorry, what's a, what do you mean by remote control What do you mean what's a remote? Yeah. literally in my childhood. Yeah, no, no, I know what a remote... <laughs> I used to have a little mini, actually, that I used yeah. to remote control around, but I just wanted to double check. I was Yeah, saying... there's those, but, like, they go fast. So, like, the ones that I raced, not well, not when I was six, but when I was, like, eight or nine, they went up to 60 miles an hour. Nice. Seven days, maybe. Oh. So started there, uh, and then like naturally, there's some people from the motorsport community that do that. Yeah. Um, because I guess at the end of the day, it is still racing cars. Uh, and then yeah, when I was about nine or ten, I had my first go in a in a proper go kart. Uh, and then the next week, which wasn't mine, uh, and then the next week I had my own. So started from there. Can you remember the feeling? Yes, I spun, um, but after after that, it got I got up to speed pretty quick. But for me, the speed I got over reasonably quickly. I think like when you're a racing driver, that's probably the first thing you get used to, is like actually the speed. Except for when you start hurtling towards things you shouldn't be, that's when you remember how fast you're going again. But the like technical side and just being like being able to go faster in my lap times, that was like the first thing I kind of remember focusing on let's go right back to when there was the remote control car days into karting but then for those that don't know underneath formula one there is its junior series formula two underneath that there is formula three yeah you won both formula three and formula two in your debut years yeah has it felt a quick journey because you have risen through the ranks quite fast in comparison to some other drivers does it feel fast you have to sit there and go wow, I'm nearly in my first F1 season. How the hell have we got this far this quickly? It, it has been quick. I think like the journey from once I stopped karting and entered like single-seaters, that part of the journey felt very quick. Um, and I, I think also 
So I did one year of Formula 4, two years of a championship called Formula Renault, which is now called Formula Regional, I think, and then one year of F3 and one of F2. Once I got into F3, that's when it all happened very quickly because it was kind of like, okay, well, the next step is F2, and then after that, the only step left is F1. So those last couple of years came very quickly. I, yeah, they came quickly, but I think by the end of F2, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to step up now. And having won Formula 3 in your debut year and Formula 2 in your debut year, do you yeah. worry going into Formula 1 that it will be too easy and that winning will be <laughs> formulaic almost? Um, no, not, okay, not, right. not particularly. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll see where we are as a team uh, at McLaren. Hopefully we're, we've made some good progress from last year, I hope. Um, but... You know, I think for me, I've got much more to worry about on my my own personal development and stuff like that before I need to start worrying about, uh, you know, whether we're fighting for wins and championships so far. But no, to answer your question, I don't think it will be too <laughs> easy. It's a very reasonable answer to the question. <laughs> Give you that. Yeah, we were very excited to chat to you because this podcast is is brand new. There'll be loads of brand new listeners to Formula One who will be starting when you start. We're starting when you start. It's going to be, you know, hopefully we're all here in 20 years time. Um, wow, <laughs> us, us three looking really adult and exhausted. You'll still look like you with 10. you with sort of ten, twelve, thirteen world world yeah. titles. Over yeah. you know that's that. This this, this could happen. Yeah. This is this is what everyone's you know hoping for and excited for. Well, you're right because Jensen Button was my kind of guy, and I remember starting watching Formula One in 1998, 1999. But the first year I sort of properly knew what was going on was 2000, which was the year this new young British kid, Jensen Button started, and I followed him and I was a Jensen Button guy, there'll be people doing the same for you. There'll be people, especially Aussies, being like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a new young Aussie, it's exciting. Yeah, it is pretty cool, and like to be honest, it's not something that I've thought about that much, um, but yeah, when you do think about it, it is pretty cool. That We'd like you to think about it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, want yeah. to, we want to have an existential crisis. No. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. But like for me, when I, so I started watching F1 in about 2009, really was the first time. Good season. It was a very good season. Uh, yeah, for you especially. For me especially. The year Jensen Button won in one of the greatest sporting stories ever told us for another podcast. It was a great year to get hooked on the sports. Yes, it was. So and talk I... us through that season then. What, what, what was it about the 2000 so, season that you loved? Well, I think one, the cars that were winning had fluoro yellow on them, which when you're a eight year old kid, that's always pretty exciting. Cool. Yeah. And I didn't realize until I got much older, but 2009 was, so basically it was uh, the year that Braun, it was, it was a Braun. Honda, Honda folded. Yep. Uh, Braun came in, bought the team for a dollar or a pound. Correct. And then demolished the whole field, won the Constructors' Championship and the Drivers' Championship with, with Jensen. Uh, and then turned into Mercedes after that. So they, the team existed for a year. They won everything and left again. I didn't realize how special that was until much later. But I think just watching it was, yeah, really, really cool. And I think for me, it was also still quite difficult to watch at that age because I was still in Australia. So the only real race I properly watched was Melbourne because it was on at a normal yeah. time, not like 2 a.m. on a school morning. Amazing year to get yeah. hooked on it. And also that first win from Jensen yeah. in Australia, yes. where it was like, oh my word, like, yeah. drawn of yeah. one, and yeah. like they've destroyed everybody. Marketers and business owners, you've been pining after a certain someone. Your job's on the line. You're desperate for them to like you back. Here's a word of advice from me. Talking is hot. 
Just you and them, finally alone like us two right now. Maybe under the duvet, headphones on, one-on-one. Podcast advertising is proven to be one of the best ways to catch their attention. So surprise them while they're tuned in, while the moment's right. Say a line or two that really gets them going. Next time, if you want to win over your special someone and build some brand love, experiment with something new, just focus on your voice. Advertise on more than 100,000 podcast shows with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started. Yeah. Did you ever go to the Australian Grand Prix as a kid? I think I only went once or once or twice. Um, Yeah, so the only time I went was, well, funny story, side story. So I live... Well, lived about 15 minutes from Albert Park. So it, for me, it, it is like literally a home race. Like it's closer wow. than it's closer than what my local go-kart track was. So Do your parents still live there? Similar area, yeah. Similar area. So, uh, yeah, like for me, it is literally the closest home race that I've ever had, Amazing. which is a little bit weird considering it's F1 race. How excited are you for your home Grand Prix? Very, very, very excited. It's going to be a crazy week, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to go racing. I was there last year as a reserve driver and that was already a pretty crazy experience. Um, but this year, you know, being on the grid finally is, is going to be yeah even crazier. I think there's even more crowd capacity this year as well. So it's going to be nuts. Have you got like friends from school and like family members that are going to come and watch you? Yes, I do. I think we're still working out how we're going to fit them all into the into the grandstand. <laughs> what a night- guestless nightmare. Yeah, yes. your phone is going to already blowing up now. Well, that is what managers are for. So. Oh, really? Oh, that's the Formula One difference. Of course, you can just say get to speak to my already settling. Into really? it. I used to be able to hear them from from our house. So you could go like you watch them on TV, go step out into the backyard, and you could hear them going around. The cars used to scream. They yeah. were so loud. And then the new yeah. turbo hybrid era, they're much better for the planet, which is great, but they don't quite have the same noise yeah. level. But yeah. back in those days, I remember yeah. going, I think, 2004. Yeah. Silverstone would have been my first yeah. Grand Prix. And, like, being physically shaken yes. by the noise of these things. Yeah. Like, fingers in ears, like, oh, my God, Dad, that is... And it's just the yeah. biggest, the most crazy world imaginable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. So then the first actual Grand Prix I went to was... I think 2014. So unfortunately, I never actually got to watch a race in the V8 era. And when you go to like a Grand Prix, I remember going to Silverstone and there were pictures of all the drivers and they're like film stars. Yeah. Again, it's going to be you. You're going to, particularly as you're the only Aussie on the grid now. Yeah. What a mad thing to think of. Yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty wild. So that year in 2014 that I went, I was uh, like a a grid kid. Um, So I got to hold, (laughs) it was... um, Whose flag was it? It was Danny Kvyat's flag, actually. And so it was me, a bunch of people that I was racing against in go-karts. Like, we all got to hold a flag of, of, of a driver each. Uh, and Kvyat's car broke down on the laps of the grid. So I didn't, I didn't actually get to meet him. So I'm a good, I'm a good, la- so I'm a good luck charm. Um, do, the, do the drivers interact with the grid kids? Uh, yeah, I think, like, usually if they bring a hat or something, then they'll sign. Are you going to interact like with... Is there an equivalent now? I think so. I think they still have the same thing going. Do so you remember what it's like to be that grid kid? You yeah. Know? Hey, yeah. buddy. So that's going to be a bit weird knowing that I'm, like, now the person giving the signature not asking for it. And, yeah. like, even when I go back to, like, I went back to my local go-kart track 
just to go drive mm. for myself, not for any other reason. Not in the McLaren. Not in the McLaren, no. no. <laughs> um, and it room for this, guys? Yeah. And so went back there and then, like, it was a bit weird. Like, I was the person, like, I was used to having, you know, V8 supercars drivers or whatever from Australia yeah. coming in, taking photos with them. So it was a bit weird when I went back and I was the guy they were taking photos with. And, it, like, that still takes getting used to. Did you have lots of friends who were also into karting for at school, or, or were you? Were, was this a thing that Not you went off really. and did as a, as a passion of your own? It was, yeah, more or less on my own. Like yeah. it's a pretty well, first is a pretty niche sport mm, and uh, very individual, I guess. Yeah, um, and like we kind of just come from all over. Um, so like the yeah, it's not like um, you know, football or cricket or whatever where. You get a bunch of friends from school. You go down to the Oval and mm. and then start playing. Like, you know, you need your own go kart each first, which is not that cheap. You need to go to a go kart track. Like, there's a lot of different yeah. things you've got to organise. Quite a weirdly antisocial sport. Yeah. Really. I was gonna so, say, yeah. have you ever found that hard with how individual it is? Um, yes and no. Um, is it like, lonely? No, I wouldn't say lonely, but like you do miss out on some things, like because it's a generally like a full weekend sport or even like for the big races in australia it was like thursday friday saturday sunday so more often than not like weekend sport you kind of had to give up you know i think especially in those early years there are moments where you're like oh like i'm missing out on something else but then like you go to a race and you just love it so much that you quickly forget about it so <laughs> i don't think forget about all those friends you don't need <laughs> yeah so I, you have new friends now yeah so i wouldn't call it lonely but definitely there are like there were moments where it's kind of like well you know do i really want to do this because there's i'm missing out on most normal things i guess did you ever have the conversations of i'm gonna be a racing driver and the teacher's like yes of course you are young oscar that's due in on monday yeah uh, pretty much yeah but th that was always like a a rule from my parents as well um, was I can go racing, but I still need to do well at school. Uh, I didn't go to uni because things in racing were going very well at that really point. Wow. Uh, um, so mum let that one slide. The what would you speed? What would you study at university if you had gone? <laughs> Probably something to do with engineering. So my A levels were maths, physics, and computer science. Oh my god, you're clever as well as a good driver. So it would have been something in engineering along those kind of lines. Well, so this must fascinate you on many levels then. It must be fantastic just to be like, what's this gadget? Show me this new stuff. Yeah, I think like at the moment it's more just purely about how like how do I go faster on the track. <laughs> but certainly like when there's some downtime, it's kind of like, you know, how like how does this stuff translate to the real world? Yeah. Whereas in F one, like when I first got introduced to it, it was like, um, you know, like if I said the car I wanted the car to do X, Y, or Z. They can make parts that can help me do that instead of like just kind of having to deal with what I have. Wow. So just being like having someone say, oh, "Okay, well, if you want, if you really want that to be changed, like we can, yeah. we can change that for you." Have you got used to that yet? Being able to kind of just do that. A little bit, yeah. Like I think in terms of like what's going to make the car faster and perform better and stuff like that, that's like clearly not my mm. area of expertise and that's another really cool thing of f1 like it's not just the best drivers in the world it's the best people like in the whole sport like the best mm. engineers the best mechanics you know the best marketing team you know present company included pre yes present company included <laughs> lots of marketing people at the back of the room going yes we are brilliant we're very best um, of the best so you get to work with like 
the best people from all these fields, which is, you know, really, really, really cool. How hard do you think psychologically will it be to get in that car and do your first race? I, I think there will definitely be some nerves. I think there would have been nerves regardless of the situation. But in some ways, it I, the way I'm kind of looking at it is that the step from F2 to F1, both in terms of the cars, the, the, the race distance, is like the race is twice as long compared to F2. Um, and like I'm racing against, you know, world champions and, and, you know, the best drivers in the world. So I think, yeah, the first lap lining up on the grid, it's going to be, there's going to be some nerves, but there's going to be a lot of excitement too. This might be a stupid question. Forgive me. Have you met everyone else on the grid? No, I haven't. So I've met... See, that's mad. That is. Yeah, that is. I've met probably like... Who have you not met? I've met probably, I haven't met that many. I've met probably a quarter of the grid. Really? Wow. Yeah. Like I've met, I've met Lando now. Um, but until this year, I'd never met Lando. Really. Had you never raced? You must have raced against each other. No, not even. We, all, we were always so we're like I think two years um, oh. age different. Yeah. Is a touch older, and we've we've just stayed two years apart the whole way, pretty much wow. um, through our career. So we've never crossed paths. But like I've raced against um, Guan Yu Zhou, mm-hmm. a Chinese driver, yeah. and a fellow rookie Logan Sargent. I was teammates with him in F3. But apart from those two, I've not raced against any others. Oh. Oh, Greg, Beat the Christian. This is your time to shine. So, guys, the feature which I'm trying to get off the ground called Beat the Christian. So, like, Christian right. is an enormous, as you can tell, yeah. Formula One fan. He was even fact checking your stories earlier as you yeah. were telling them. Which I did find myself in a slightly odd <laughs> situation. Yeah. Anyway, yes, so, Formula One driving, you're right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I'm going to beat you with this one, but I worked out and did some quick maths. Oscar, you were born one month after Fernando Alonso's first Grand Prix in Australia. Yes. You knew that? Correct. Did you know that? I didn't know that, yeah. So they made me aware of that fact on the big stage in front of, I don't know how many thousand fans at the Australian Grand Prix, but the announcer was like, Oscar, did you know that you were born a month after Fernando's (laughs) first race? And it got quite a good reaction. Um, But yes, I've had that uh, said to me a lot now. Yeah, okay, well. Which is a bit weird to think about. I was excited that I thought I worked that out. (laughs) I did did it because also Fernando made his debut in Australia. Yeah, I I, I, I didn't know that one. Sorry. That's fine. Right, Oscar, we are about to speak to Kira. Kira will not know you are here when we first start talking. She believes she's going to have a Formula One-based chat with Betty Glover, myself, and with Greg James. She does not know you are here. She is a huge Formula One fan. This is great. I didn't know that you hadn't told her. She doesn't any, know Oscar's oh, This here. is amazing. So she's in, in the, pr- the premise for her is that she's having a chat to us about why she likes Oscar. Oh, this is great. Right. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's check this works. Kira, hello. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Hey, Kira. Hey, Kira. It's Betty. Hi, Betty. Hi, Kira. It's Greg, and welcome to the Fast and the Curious. Hello, Greg. Thank you all for having me. So, tell us about your F1 credentials. When did you fall in love with this sport? So, I reckon I probably started watching Formula One around 2013, 2014. It was one of those things I can never remember like an exact date. I know a lot of people know the exact race and where they were, but I don't really remember it. Um, and then kind of as I grew up in my teenage years, I fell more in love with it. And then I think just before lockdown, I decided to start, you know, creating content in there and started being more in the world of motorsports. So, yeah, it's been quite a while now, actually, which is a little bit scary. I feel quite old. Because you make a little bit of your own F1 content, don't you, Kira? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, so I do a bit of YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, 
Instagram, all those type of things. I describe myself as a motorsport content creator, really. So doing all that type of digital content that are quick and easy and people enjoy. You've got it all going on, Kira. Um, I know. Who's your favourite driver? <sighs> I I have a few. I have a few, but I, I do have a... Especially a soft spot this year for Oscar Piastri coming onto the grid. Uh, he's someone I've watched for a good couple of years now in the feeder series, so it's actually nice to see that he's finally got his shot uh, at the big stakes. What is it about Oscar and the way that he drives that, that makes you a fan of his? I have always had this thing where, I mean, you can see from F3 and F2, it's a little bit chaotic sometimes, and sometimes they drive crazy. And I've always had the saying of, you know, which drivers would I trust to drive my car if I bought a brand new Ferrari straight out of the garage. I have that saying in my head. I always think like that. Who can I trust to go drive this safely? And Oscar's just been one of those drivers. I mean, he's somebody that goes, every time he goes into a series, whether that's stepping up or just going to something else, he just adapts to it so quickly. And you can see from his records, I mean, he done Euro Cup, won it. Uh, F3 won it, F2 won it. He's very quick to go up them steps. It doesn't take him too long. And I just... I love everything about watching him on track. He's such a good overtaker. He's very good in the lead. Everything about him, I think, when you're looking for a driver, you're looking for somebody that has the whole package. And I feel like he definitely does have that. And I think he'll he'll show that in F1 this year. What an amazing answer. Oh, that's that lovely. Um, Kira, we've just got a little problem with the with the microphone again. We're just going to go off for a second. And the okay. next person will be on. We'll get an, get an engineer on just to check the line. One sec. Hang on. Wait there. Okay. So for the benefit of the listeners, I have muted and changed the... Quick seat swapping. Kira, can you hear us? It's very faint again. Okay, well, it should be okay. The video is just going to put the video on now. Hang on. Yeah, that's better now. There we go. Oh, my God. Thank you for your kind words. How are you? Oh, my God. I thought we had technical difficulties again. You're so welcome. Did you hear all that? I did hear all that, yes. <laughs> Kira, meet Oscar. Let me see you, Oscar. Last time I that was very unexpected. I'm, I'm pleased to managed to pull this off. Yeah, we've been... Uh, so, uh, Oscar is our co-host for this episode of um, The Fast and the Curious. And it's um, it was so nice to hear your words, even though you absolutely didn't know he was in the room with us, did you? No, I didn't. I was just waiting for it, like when you asked who's your favourite driver, I was just waiting for it to be like Lando. <laughs> but I'm glad you said me, so thank you. I'll fix you, I'm on your side. Good. K- you. Kira, do you have any questions that you want to ask him? Is there anything that you're dying to know? I just want to know how you're feeling about it. Obviously, you had the year off last year. Do you feel prepared for it? Does it feel different that you've had that gap? Obviously, you're not used to having gaps in your racing. You're so yeah. used to going, that series, that series, that series. Is there anything that, you know... That feel any different, or do you feel prepared? Uh, I think I feel pretty well prepared. Uh, been doing a lot of work at the factory at McLaren, so that's been good. Been doing a bit of testing as well, um, and even like last year, like I didn't race, but I still did some testing in an F1 car. So uh, I think I'm prepared. I think the first couple of races are probably going to take a bit of getting used to again, but apart from that, I think we'll be all good. So. Yeah, I feel good. Good, I'm glad. That's good to hear. Feels like an exciting time for the sport for many, many reasons. I think growing up, when I was watching in the late 90s, early noughties, it was just, it felt just like a lads club, the the whole thing. How does it feel now as an F1 content creator in this world? Does it, does he feel like you're welcomed into it? Does it feel like an uphill struggle sometimes? Do you feel like you're making progress? It is a bit of both. I would definitely say the last maybe two years or so have been a lot better. Um, I think when I first watched Formula One, like you said, a bit of a lads club, there's not really any other females. I didn't know anybody else. I was just talking to my dad about it. He was absolutely sick of me. went on about it. No one else to talk to. And then I think as I started content creation, there's more women that came into it. I mean, when I first started, there really wasn't many people at all. It's only really 
since, you know, COVID hit that, you know, people have now started to get an interest into doing more content, TikToks, YouTube, stuff like that. I've especially, maybe the last year, year and a half, there's been so many women. Like I see more, I think, than the men in terms of the content creation space and the fan space, which is lovely to see. I think there's a really nice balance now. I think, you know, you still do get, obviously, the misogynistic comments and, you know, if you get the wrong side of things, like if your video goes viral in the wrong way, you get the wrong audience that you don't want to see that pick on things. And But it's something that I think I've seen for so many years now. It doesn't really bother me, but it's a lot better with the women. There's a good bubble of, of people that are doing great content and also just enjoying the sport. Well, the next time that you get one of those comments and people taking the mick or being nasty, you spoke to Oscar Piastri in your content. Mm-hmm. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say a massive good luck. I will be cheering you on. I think it's really exciting. Thank so- you. McLaren are one of my favourite teams, so it's lovely to see that you've slotted in there nicely and it's nice to know that there's been a gap that's opened up for you because when that wasn't last year, I was just desperate to find a route in and I'm sure you were as well. So I've just, yeah. just a good luck, really. I'm going to the Spanish Grand Prix, so I can watch you there, which sure. will be nice. But yeah, good luck. Thank you. Much appreciated. Kira, plug your content to Oscar while you got the chance. Yeah, I will. Right, so if you want to see me bigging you up... <laughs> Yeah, just Kira Megan. I'm either Kira Megan S1 or Kira Megan XX on the end because somebody took Kira Megan, so I can't have it right. um, on all platforms. So I'm sure I'll be shouting you out at some point this year. Kira, I I think that all the drivers consume their own meme content. What what are your favourite Oscar memes, Kira? I can't, I'm like, I don't have it now on my old phone. I used to have just loads of just your face ones. It's so weird. But I just got you. Know, I don't know why. I just collected them. They're funny to like reply to people with a face rather than like a word. <laughs> And you just always had really good ones like that. So I've got, I have loads somewhere, somewhere on my old phone. If you did stumble across one, would you look at it? I have stumbled across a few, yes, because like they still tag me and stuff and right and stuff like that. So if I check like my notifications, then yeah, generally I see it. And like ones. my girlfriend or like her siblings or my mum mm. or my sisters, like they usually come and stuff like have you seen this 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 and i've no i haven't but okay then thanks for sending it to me yeah you can always rely on your friends to keep you grounded exactly you? and also get guest lists at the melbourne grand prix <laughs> kira thank you so much thank you kira you've been a legend no you're welcome thank, thank you. you so much for having me kira lovely to talk to you do you forgive us for keeping you in the dark over it I do, I do. I was like, oh, because I'm used to technical issues with all this technology. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Yeah, great surprise, so thank you. Kira, thanks so much. And we'll speak, uh, hopefully, as the season progresses as well. It's great having you on. Lovely. Thank you so much. Bye, Kira. Bye, Kira. See you later. Recording stop. Oh, she's great. Oscar, before we go, I'm going to get some things because he's got some things. So things. things. Yeah. Question the things. Christian's got a lot of F1 things in his house. We I see. <laughs> This is not for my house, so we are going to give away, in our prize pot, a load of stuff to a Formula One fan at the end of the season. And Oscar, you have bought some stuff to give away. Please explain what stuff. I have brought a McLaren hat, signatures are included, (laughs) um, and a giant, uh, how many pieces is that? 1,432-piece McLaren Lego car. Lovely. Christian, any further questions? Um, from you before we let Oscar get on with his life. The single thing you're most excited about being a Formula One driver, a Formula One race driver? Might be a bit boring, but literally just going racing. Being able to say that I'm a racing driver as my job. And podcast host. And podcast host. (laughs) Yes, get that in. And the idea of this podcast is obviously we'd love to catch up with you as the season progresses, Oscar. If if we're not, we don't want to intrude on your life, but we'd love to, if you've enjoyed today, the ultimate review is if you come back for more. Would you like to come back for another chat? I think we can arrange that. But like I said, 
That's what managers are for. <laughs> oh, lovely Oscar. Wasn't he just so nice? We had such a nice chat with him. But um, team principal, Greg, I think we need another driver lined up, please. Who are we, who are we going to speak to next? Yes, we do. So we'll be back straight after the Bahrain Grand Prix to go through everything that happens, see whether Christian's predictions are right and go through all the things that happen on that circuit we're going to have Lando Norris on episode 4 that's really exciting Lando is a great guy a British legend in the making I'd say Christian wouldn't you? I would definitely say so great character you chatted to him pre-season so that's going to be on and what I'd love I'm going to work very very hard to hear from a driver post-race as well so I've got some irons in the fire and we'll see what happens as the fast and the curious gods do their work and I would just like to say as well one of the things I've really loved so far about reading your messages is the amount of people who said I'm not into F1 but I'm listening to the podcast so I would particularly like to hear from you if you have watched the Bahrain Grand Prix and it's your first ever race brilliant or if there was anything from the Bahrain Grand Prix that didn't make sense and then in the next episode we'll do a little bit of a chat and a little bit of a catch-up there's no such thing as a stupid question anything that wasn't clear about the mad circus that is the Bahrain Grand Prix I won't bore you with reading out the contact details again because we said it earlier in the podcast just rewind or look in the description producer Jimmy's very kind he puts things in the description it's brilliant (laughs) get in touch ask us questions and we'll have a little Q&A chat on the next podcast thanks for listening to The Fast and the Curious make sure you subscribe and follow so that it pops up in your feed whenever we deliver one to you we'll be back after Bahrain you can email I'm going to read it out it's fastandcurious at acast.com for any queries any questions or any feedback you might have and we'll see you next time Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend Are you mindlessly swiping on Hinge? Coaxing your hubby to binge Love is Blind? Wondering where all the rose ceremonies and romantic getaways are when dating IRL? Welcome to Two Black Girls, One Rose. A podcast uncovering what we can learn about modern dating, love, and relationships from popular television. I'm Natasha. And I'm Justine. We're best friends, TV and film fanatics, and hopeless romantics. And every week on our podcast, we're dissecting your favorite TV show and seeing if it can teach us a thing or two about love. Look, if I'm going to spend hours watching Love is Blind, I better learn something from it. Whether it's how to end my situationship or how to not marry a man-child. Listen to us on all podcast platforms every week. And for bonus and video content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash two black girls, one rose. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.